0: But when I can get some new music here on the podcast, what you're hearing right now is the song Varla, Oh Varla. It's from the band J Poison and the Bat People. It's from their album Terror of the Bat People that came out on October 31st of last year. It's a Halloween release. You know I want to play it here on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It's Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook, your writer, host, producer, and I'd like to welcome you to to the podcast big thanks to the band for letting us play their music here on the show you can find them on bandcamp at jpoisonandthebatpeople.bandcamp.com or if you happen to live in Lyon France you might find them as well just kicking around doing their thing playing their music either way let them know that you heard them here on Monster Kid Radio I'll play the song in its entirety at the end of the episode so you can check it out there will be a link in the show notes to their bandcamp page as well so you know show them a little love This week here on the show, we're going to be talking about a movie from the 1950s. It's a monster movie. It's a Yeti movie. And it's a movie that I had never seen prior to watching it for this recording. It's another sight unseen cinema kind of thing. We really need to come up with a theme song for that. For when Steve Turek and I get together to watch a movie that we've never seen before. The movie is The Snow Creature. It's directed by W. Lee Wilder, who is Billy Wilder's older brother, which I think I bring up many times in the conversation that I had with Steve about this film. Just kind of blown away that the man behind Some Like It Hot and a number of other prestige type pictures had an older brother who made monster movies It's not the first time we've talked about w lee wilder here on the show we've talked about some of his movies here before and after talking about the snow creature with steve i'm committed i want to know more about this guy i want to know more about this cat and what he was up to and why he decided to make genre pictures instead of following what his little brother was up to i just i want to know more so that's coming up here in this episode of course We've got Mark Madsky's Beta Capsule Review. He has been blazing through the Ultra Q series episode by episode. I've been having a grand time listening to those. And uh, I should be sending a message out to Mark here in the very near future because i got to get him on the show to talk about The Legend of Boggy Creek. And then also I want to do a kaiju episode with him as well because, I mean, one of my bucket list items when it comes to podcasting is talking about kaiju films with Mark Madsky. You know? I guess i got to do it gotta happen so that's coming up also kenny's look at famous monsters of film land that's going to be coming up here as well we also have some feedback so we're going to make use of the monsters in the machine and have them read a couple of emails that came in to the show and you know there's some other things that i want to talk about some other stuff going on so i'll get into that as well of course that's all going to happen right after this first break you know what's happening
1: right now
2: Of all time. Don't let
3: him get me!
2: A beautiful girl torn from the arms of her lover by a jungle beast. Ah! King Kong.
1: See a battle between prehistoric monsters on an island time forgot.
2: A nightmare jungle creature from the primeval past, stalking midnight streets. My baby! It's got my baby! See the thrill classic of all time. The biggest gorilla picture ever made in motion picture history. The jungle epic that can never be duplicated.
3: See RKO's original
2: King Kong.
3: King Kong. King
2: Kong. Edgar Allan Poe's Tomb of Lygia. Poe considered it his masterpiece. She will not die because she willed not to die. Vincent Price, magnificent, macabre, defying the deathless, jealous spirit of Lygia. A nightmare of terror. Pitting their lust for life against the unholy powers of the undead. Undead attack the living, a wondrous world of maddening horror, starring Vincent Price in Edgar Allan Poe's Tomb of Lycia in color. What number is this? What am I calling?
0: You're in the feedback discussion portion of the show, we have some emails that came in. I'm going to fire up the monsters in the
4: machine, and we're going to get into those emails right now. Hi, Derek. Great episode on The Shining. While it may be out of the normal range of MKR films, I think it fits fine, and considering Kubrick was making films like 2001 and Dr. Strangelove well within the normal age range of the typical MKR films, it works. Have you seen The Phantom Carriage? The famous door-chopping scene in The Shining seems to have been inspired by a similar scene in Phantom Carriage. I recall you and Paul talked about Kubrick being a serious student of film but I've never heard whether or not he specifically cited that film as inspiration. You can find a side-by-side comparison on YouTube. I enjoyed hearing Kenny's FM segment on the show and was not surprised at Forey's take on the film. If I recall correctly, he hated 2001. Interviewing Forry for an article in Monster Bash magazine, I quickly got the picture that he liked straightforward adventure imagination films. His initial love of science fiction was born with the pulp, so this makes sense. From Kevin Slick. Kevin, it's good to hear from you, man. And I
0: actually knew about the Phantom Carriage Shining thing, the connection. And I remember even bringing it up when I discussed the film with Paul The first time in the recording that was lost. So I did try to bring it up. Uh, Neither Paul nor I knew whether or not Kubrick had studied that film or what the situation was with that. So uh, I can't really say for sure. I will try to track down that YouTube video and make sure there's a link in the show notes. I have seen it. It's fascinating to see. The structure there, the structure of the silent film lined up with what's going on in The Shining with Jack and the axe. It's just, it's really interesting. So I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to the YouTube video. Kevin, thanks for writing in, man. I really
4: appreciate it. Hey, Derek. Just had a chance to listen to episode 503 about the Munsters' Scary Little Christmas, which I enjoyed very much. I just wanted to make a comment on something that Scott brought up. He said that the cast of Scary Little Christmas was the third Munsters cast. Actually, I believe they were the fourth cast. There was the cast from the 80s TV show that starred John Chuck as Herman. Keep up the good work. I am still enjoying the show. Scott R. Scott, I'm glad that you still dig the show, man. Really appreciate
0: it. As far as the monsters go, you know, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on any version of the monsters at all, but if I know anything about the monsters, it's Mostly everything from the first incarnation of the show. I couldn't speak with any authority about any TV revivals or other TV movies or anything like that. But I'm not surprised that they have tried to bring it back in the '80s as well. So I'll uh, keep an eye out for that. Maybe I'll give it a watch. We'll see. Um, I really do prefer my monsters in black and white, though. So, but I appreciate you writing in and letting us know so that everybody else can know about it too. And again, thanks for enjoying the show and checking it out. And and again. I'm glad you're still enjoying the show.
5: You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657.
4: Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com.
3: Here, Professor Howard Erling, nuclear physicist, probes relentlessly into the future only to unleash upon the world terror from the year
2: 5,000. How is
3: it?
4: It should be there in a minute.
2: (laughs) Professor, look, quickly. A woman. What? Oh, another statue. For a moment, I thought you For a missed. moment, it looked life-size. Just an optical illusion. No doubt a refracted image.
3: Quick, help me shut it
2: off. We pushed the voltage too high. All right, then. We've got work to do. Let's get busy and try to neutralize that statue.
6: they short-circuited the chamber's voltage.
2: She said every fifth child was being born that way. Is that what the future holds? More like her?
6: We've got to reach them, Professor. See to it they get the necessary hereditary genes they need. Do you suppose we could repair the machine perfected so that a man could travel through and return?
1: If you do that, others like her will come. There may be millions of them.
6: We've got to do something. Clear, after all, they are human beings. You're right,
1: Beau. But there's another way. The future is what we make it.
7: Whether there will be creatures like her
1: depends on us, on all of us, on mankind. Do today in the
3: present. When I put those clothes on, something happens to me. Something
1: And simplicity of an isolated farm to the sophisticated elegance of a country estate, Straightjacket mounts to a crescendo of electrifying suspense. Sinister. <gasps> Frightening. Bill! Bill! Don't
4: you go do in that room!
1: Joan Crawford in a shattering screen portrayal. A frantic woman pressured by Straightjacket tension.
3: Leave me alone! You let go of me! Listen to me! Just call me Lucy. I wouldn't like my little girl to think I was trying to take her fellow away from her. Carol and Michael are going to be married! And nobody's gonna stop it!
1: Ingeniously designed to shock and startle, Straightjacket may go beyond the limits of your ability to endure suspense.
4: Mother!
8: God.
1: Tell me. Oh my God. The author of the famed novel Psycho, the director of the widely acclaimed chiller Homicidal, the co-star of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, join forces to create a frightening classic of shock and suspense.
5: Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes. It's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. There's just something unsettling about a TV show produced in the mid 60s entitled Challenge from the Year 2020. That sort of clairvoyant creepiness abounds in Ultra Q's 19th episode, first broadcast on May 8, 1966. The story concerns an alien invasion on a variety of fronts, from military pursuit of UFOs to semi-fictional accounts of extraterrestrial activity. When Yuriko becomes an eyewitness of a young woman's disappearance, she enlists the help of Air Force Major Amino, whose UFO sighting was disputed by his peers. Amino and June take to the skies in the company Cessna, but a jelly-like blob climbs up June's back, causing him to disappear before Amino's eyes. A similar blob menaces Yuriko in a phone booth, but she's assisted by an investigator named Udagawa, who reveals he's been tracking an alien invader from Kemmer, who has been busily abducting humans. Ipe quickly realizes that everything is unfolding according to the plot of a science fiction novel called Challenge from the Year 2020, and he further realizes that the book may contain the only hope of combating the Kemmerian conquest. Challenge from the year 2020 is, by turns, unnerving, ambiguous, amusing, and at times, surreal. A familiar face lights up the screen in the opening segment. It's Akiji Kobayashi who would soon don the Orange Science Patrol jumpsuit as Captain Muramatsu in Tsuburaya Productions' Ultraman series. The Ultraman connections continue. The person bounding down the street in the Khmerian costume is the lanky actor Bin Furia, who would go on to portray the silver and red hero Ultraman himself. The distinctive off-kilter Khmerian would reappear in various iterations of Ultraman right up to the present day, playing a major role in the popular Ultraman manga and Netflix anime series. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting.
0: challenge from the year 2020. No comment.
2: You are interrupting my work. Your work. The work of the devil. Hands, please, Father, you no. no!
6: The evil of Frankenstein. The evil of a man who created a monster by crude surgery and harnessed the tempestuous forces of nature to give it life. The evil of Frankenstein unleashed a monster that terrorized a whole community. Peter Cushing as the Baron, and Peter Woodthorpe as the ruthless Professor Zoltan, who fought the Baron for control of the monster. Oh, he'll understand you, all right. He just won't obey you. That's all. Duncan Lamont as the chief of police. Katie Wilde and Sandorales as two young people caught up in the evil of Frankenstein.
2: Saw them capture innocent people only to destroy. Father turned against son. People changed into strange, weird animals. A general of the army becomes a saboteur. Trusted police turned into arsonists. The boy's parents changed into killers. (laughs) Invaders from Mars, weird, fantastic beings of a super intelligence ruling a race of synthetic humans and pitting them against mankind's dream to conquer the universe. we gotta find and the kid. When the colonel gives a signal, get back here on
8: the double Hello there, Monster Kid Radio Heads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we are going to look at films featured with full-length articles from FM32 which was published in March of 1965. A fan-made diorama of King Kong graced the cover of this issue, which was the oldest issue available in the back-issue department throughout the 70s. The first film covered was 1958's hammer classic Horror of Dracula. In an interesting departure for FM, it was the film in comic book form by Joe Orlando and Russ Jones, who played a major part in Warren comic magazines Creepy, Eerie, and Vampirella. It was seven pages long and covered highlights of the film. Next up was a preview of Two on a Guillotine. It was a seven-page, nine-photo synopsis of the film, which ended with these interesting production notes. Two on a Guillotine is based on an original suspense story by Henry Slesser, the same author who wrote the novel based on Ray Harryhausen's 20 Million Miles to Earth, and whose magazine story, Bottle Baby, was purchased for the film plot of a picture to have been known as The Girl from 2,000,000 A.D., but was finally produced and released as Terror from the year 5,000. Watch for this Warner Brothers presentation. It's in the tradition of Straightjacket, William Castle, and other well-known mystery melodramas of the past. We go back seven years for the next flick, a film book of 1958's Hideous Sun Demons. Eight pages and seven photos were dedicated to this 50 sci-fi monster movie. Let's listen to a highlight from the detailed synopsis. The sun rays take effect on Gil. He becomes a monstrous sun demon without warning and attacks the horrified George. Trudy gazes on and screams. At least for the moment, Gil's curse has become his blessing. For the transformation has enabled him to save his own life. Yet now, as a sun demon, he must endure a fate worse than death. Gil, the sun demon, strangles George with his massive reptilian claws, and George falls to the ground dead. The changeling flees up the hillside, toward safety, toward sanctuary for his accursed soul. Last but not least, a look at the newest Vincent Price movie, The House at the End of the World. Never heard of it? That's because its name was changed for its release. Let's see if you know it from this highlight from the film. Like a black guardian angel, a cat dark of color as a moonless night perches atop the headstone. Suddenly it bares its teeth and hisses. Rowena's horse is startled by the animal feline's ferocity. Frightened, it rears on its hind legs. Rowena is thrown from her steed. As she lies shaken on the ground, the black clad figure of Verdun appears, and she faints at the sight of him. Do you know it? It was yet another Roger Corman Poe adaption, The Tomb of Lygia." That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Hey,
0: Kenny, thanks for sending that in. You know, while that was playing, it occurred to me that this is as good a time as any to let everybody know that Tim Durbin is scheduled to come back on the show next week. The reason that popped into my mind is that because he was on the show before back in January of 2019. Has it been two years since I've had Tim on the show? Anyway, January of 2019, he and I talked about the movie Two on a Guillotine. It was episode 404. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, but of course, it's available in the archives as well. So if all goes well, Tim will be on the show next week, where we're going to be talking about the movie The Bamboo Saucer from 1968. somebody here expecting you? Nobody. You mean you're going to stay here? All by
4: yourself?
5: Yes.
1: Well,
0: good luck.
7: This pretty young lady is having a nightmare. Nightmares can be terrifying experiences. But eventually you wake up and the demons and monsters and menacing shadows disappear. This girl isn't so lucky. When she awakens, she'll discover that her demons are very real and they mean to destroy her. She must be careful, very careful. Whatever happens, she mustn't lose her head. Connie Stevens and Dean Jones, two young people in love full of fun and gaiety the joy of living but now she must return to the dark house she must learn its ghastly secret
0: care it's as if the whole house were breathing
7: Has claimed one victim already. Soon there'll be two on a guillotine.
3: From the spine-chilling world of the living dead comes a never-to-be-forgotten combination of motion picture thrills. Two great new terror hits on one sensational program at your movie theater. Horror of Dracula, plus the thing that couldn't die. Horror of Dracula. Dracula, the terrifying lover who lusts for human blood. Dracula, the human vampire who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. Who will be the bride of Dracula tonight? Horror of Dracula, all new and in flaming Technicolor. Plus this second thrill hit, The Thing That Couldn't Die. What is it, this head that lives without a body? A monstrous thing that enslaves every woman, destroys every man who stares into its eyes. See both on the same show. Horror of Dracula and The Thing That Couldn't Die. <laughs>
9: This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get... excited. And occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing.
0: Listeners, I try to keep track of all the movies that I watch. I, I typically have a list that I, I maintain of every film that I watched, how I watched it, what genre it was, that sort of thing. Last year, I kind of lost track. 2020, for a number of different reasons, just made it difficult to keep track of some small mundane things like what movie am I watching this year though I'm trying to keep better track of everything and uh, I started 2021 with the snow creature (laughs) Uh, and it was not something that I chose but I'm so glad that I ended up watching it because it gives me another opportunity to have my friend Steve Turek on the show to talk about well a monster movie Steve how you doing man
9: I'm doing fine Derek I mean for both of us, it was the first time watching of The Snow Creature. Half man, half monster, terrorizes city, abducts women, annihilates men. The Snow Creature.
0: I mean, it sounds like a winner, right?
9: Uh, movies in 1954 were just awesome. I mean, you know, the, you know, you had Gojira, you had some little movie that you like a lot that came out wow. in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's The Snow Creature. I mean, you know, really, we, you and I have been just picking the wrong movie we, we should have been, we should have been championing the snow creature over those other two of course i'm saying oh, well. this i'm saying this tongue-in-cheek <laughs> listeners please do not but if you have any bad email to send send them to darren
0: <laughs> i was gonna say let's not get crazy here man <laughs> you joke but the 1950s films they they just have a charm especially when you start talking like some of this lower budget stuff there's just a charm to them, man the way they sold them to you were reading that from the poster i think right yes yeah. I mean, just hearing that description, it sounds like something that you have to see. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You got to see that movie, right?
9: Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and when I saw this poster and I saw the description and I said, Derek, you and know, I always are discussing about what movies we have not seen. Right. Um, and I said, well, how about the snow creature? And you were like, I've never seen it. And I've never seen it. So obviously we've now both seen it. And uh, and, and now we're talking about it. And uh, I think, I know for myself, uh, I feel better having seen it.
0: That seems to be our thing, you know, this kind of sight unseen uh, thing that we do, where we try to find a movie that's on the Amazon Prime that neither one of us has seen and just kind of go in blind. Uh, this one I knew a little bit more about going into it because it was directed by W. Lee Wilder, whose films I have talked about here on the show in the past. Uh, he directed the movie Man Without a Body, which is about Nostradamus's disembodied head doing stuff i discussed that with author micah harris a while back i'll go through the archives and figure out which episode number that was and make sure there's a link in the show notes to that w lee wilder is billy wilder's brother billy wilder i think he was an oscar winner i mean this this is the guy who directed marilyn monroe this is the guy who directed sunset boulevard this is you know the guy and then he's got his brother who <laughs> directed Man Without a Head and Phantom from Space and Snow Creature. And the Oh uh, Well, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to pra- Okay, so the Omegans. Let's sidetrack here. Didn't know anything about this movie. Never heard of it before in my life until Steve and I started going through this Wilder's filmography. It's from 1968. It looks like it was the last film that W. Lee Wilder directed. It may have even been shot for television as a television production. Uh, some sources online are saying... I don't know anything about it, but it sounds awesome.
9: <laughs> if, if, if somehow you and I could find a viewing copy of this, it has to be our next one, because who's starring in it, Derek? Who's starring in it?
0: Ingrid Pitt, man.
9: Exactly. Ah, Ingrid exactly. Pitt.
0: Hey, when the IMDB, the Internet Movie Database, lists this as a romance sci-fi well, I'm, I'm interested already. I'm like, what? Well, okay, how do you mix those two together? Well, you mix them together with Ingrid Pitt. Well, then I'm all in.
9: Uh, what, what can you say? I mean, if we, if we can find that movie and somehow see that, get to see it, if anybody, has any, anybody knows where it's at.
0: If you have a lead on this movie, I'm going to read the description from the Internet Movie Database, and then I'm going to close the IMDb. But uh, the description, the synopsis of the film, when an artist discovers his wife is having an affair with their jungle guide, Okay, sounds normal so far. He lures them into posing for him in a radioactive jungle
9: river. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, and as I said before, it had me when I saw Ingrid Pitt. I mean, it's, after that, it's like, really, the, the, the description could be anything. It's like, oh, I have never seen this movie with Ingrid Pitt. You know, I know, I know that Dominique is like the Ingrid Pitt, aficionado uh maybe maybe she's seen it and maybe she knows how to get a copy of it (laughs) (laughs) okay
0: ingrid pitt this is her first leading role supposedly and she described her character as, quote, an old man's a darling having naughties with the gardener and getting my comeuppance when I get plastered with some luminous paint, which was doubling as a monster. <laughs> come on. This is a, you know what? Let's just forget the snow creature. We're going to stop right now. We're going to find this movie. We'll come back. <laughs> Th- this is one we've got to see.
9: I, I've, like I said, we we got to see it. It's it's out there somewhere. We now have a mission. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I feel like you and I are going to be like the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission.
0: <laughs> We're on a mission from Godzilla. We're on a mission, <laughs>
9: <laughs> and we must find this and see this movie, and then right. re- and then review it. Um, no, though, no, if 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 Dominique is able to find it and she wants to review it with you, I will back out.
0: You'll step aside, step
9: aside, (laughs) yeah, to to let her do it. Because obviously, you know, it is Ingrid Pitt. I mean, I, I I know my place in the world, and I don't want to (laughs) get, I don't want to get in front of somebody that's a a, a diehard Ingrid Pitt fan and possibly get taken out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so W. E. Wilder. (laughs) Yeah. So he is Billy Wilder's brother. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if they did a lot of work. I don't know if they did anything together, to be honest, because I just don't know anything about either one of their careers to, to speak with any kind of authority. Although the more I experience the work of W. Lee Wilder, the more I read about him, the more fascinated I am by this guy. The kinds of movies he made. He worked with his son on a lot of stuff. His son, Miles, wrote a lot of his product, a lot of his films. He wrote The Snow Creature. Yep. He wrote Killers from Space, Phantom from Space, Man Fish, which we showed on the stream at the Monster Kid Movie Club not too long ago. I, I want to know more about this guy. So... I think uh this may be one of my projects I take on for the year. 2021 will be the year of Wilder for me. Learn a little bit more about this dude.
9: You go for it. You and I were looking at his films and there's a lot of them that go right up the monster kid radio wheelhouse. I mean oh, yeah. it's just I mean it it fits it all. I mean it's almost like he was directing to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't around yet. So he was he was ahead of his time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is billy wilder's older brother older by two years uh so i i just i want to know what happened in that family to make the older brother go toward making these science fiction films and the younger one going to direct things like some like it hot i want to know how that happened what led to that so again project for me for the year i'm going to learn a little bit more about w lee wilder uh so the snow creature uh like Steve and I both said, not something we had seen before. This was another one of those sight unseen picks for us. I feel like you were the one that kind of directed this one a little bit more. Why, why was this the one you wanted to watch or, or cover?
9: Well, I figured we're in winter now, or in winter you think of snow. And, of course, you'd use that natural thing, the snow creature. <laughs> okay. Okay. Winter, snow, snow creature. I mean, I like the title. The snow cream, I mean, because you and I had never seen it before, so we're literally—it's like um, judging a book by its title or its cover. We're look—I mm-hmm. looked at the poster, I read the title, and I'm thinking, why not? Sure. And it, at a running time of like, well, like an hour and ten minutes. I mean, it's 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 lean, mean, and um, does the job. But then you start looking at the other people that are in the movie, and, and it and knowing what Monster Kid Radio is involved. Paul Langton is the lead. And um, Derek, as you and I both know, he's been it, the terror from beyond space,
6: mm-hmm.
9: invisible invaders. I mean, the incredible shrinking man. He's got his um, Monster Kid radio ties right there. I mean, all over the place. I mean, and, and, mm-hmm. and some of them, which we would consider classic films. You know, with like the incredible shrinking man, if the tear from beyond space and invisible invaders, I mean, those are just ones that everybody's going to be saying, oh, this, this could be like one of the best ones. there. This could be one of the best ones of a certain type or in your top 10 list. I mean, sure, he, he's involved in three of them. Now I, I enjoyed the snow creature. I don't think the snow creature would personally make a top 10 list, but not every movie is always going to be in a top 10 to be enjoyable.
0: Fair enough. Okay. You know, I actually found myself really enjoying this one, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we get into it. This is, for all intents and purposes, probably the first, at least one of the first, if not the first, abominable snowman movies, uh, Yeti movies, uh, according to some of the resources we found online. There might have been one earlier in a different country with a title whose name I do not dare try to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> But this one, I think, is one of the earliest, if not the earliest, Yeti films. So it was interesting to see that captured on film. And for a movie about a monster up in the mountains like that in the Himalayas, I really expected something a little different going into it. I expected it to be more aggressive in that the monster itself being more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. But for a good chunk of the movie, I'd say at least for a good half of the first act, at least, the antagonist has nothing to do with the monster. I mean, the antagonists are the Sherpas who have decided that they want to go after the monster and uh, we're going to take everybody's you know ammunition. We're going to take the radio we you just I was really kind of caught off guard by that.
9: I find it interesting because the person who played the Sherpa, the main Sherpa, the one who could speak English, I'm sorry if I butcher his name, Taru Shaman- Shameda, Shemata? who, this is the second time we've done a sight unseen movie with a James Bond connection. Oh. Yes, because he was okay. he was the villain in You Only Live Twice. Okay. You know, he was um, Mr. Asoto. You know, so, so it's the second time you and I've picked the film, and by sheer luck, we've, we've ended up with a uh, James Bond connection. Right on. Yeah. Not that i you know, I'm just saying it was just kind of interesting. But his character, Subra, his wife was abducted by the snow creature early in the movie, which led to, I think it was his brother and some of the people from the town coming up to let him know what happened. And at that point, he wanted to go after the Yeti because obviously it took his wife and he wanted to get sure. revenge and that kind of stuff. I think what what happened was Frank Parrish, which is Paul Langton's character, totally misread the room when he's just like, oh, the Yeti, that's just a superstition, we're not going to do anything with it, and blew him off, which totally uh, perturbed Subra, who the next night stole their guns and then did the mutiny. But then again, I don't blame Subra because his wife was just taken, The, the Yeti's out there, he wants to get revenge, he wants to... It's his, as he, his, you know, I'm not sure if it's his wife or he says his woman. Whether they're actually married, I don't know. Um, but the thing is, his, his, the love of his life is out there, possibly still alive, or if he, or dead, wants to get revenge.
1: Mm-hmm. And this
9: other guy is just telling him, "Oh, it's just all superstition. Forget it." So I really think Frank Parrish's character at that particular time was totally not understanding of what's going on in the mind of this person who just lost his significant other yeah when
0: you're out in the middle of nowhere all you've got is the people that have taken you up there to begin with a heck of a time to kind of uh, misread the room like you say
9: (laughs) just saying you know and 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 he's the only one who can speak to the the sherpas Mm -hmm. i thought he was rather clever he went in when they were sleeping took the guns took the bullets out of them or the cartridges and um and then of course they're like oh we're going to force you to do it. We're going to hold these guns on you. And I'm like, and he just starts laughing. It's like, there's <laughs> there's there no cartridges.
0: <laughs> I really liked that. I really, really liked that the Sherpas, the, the quote unquote natives, were not portrayed as subservient or sub-intelligent. They were quite clever. Oh, yeah. And I really appreciated that because a lot of times you see these movies where the... You know, the American or the European, the white guy, goes into a foreign land with non-white folk. And they're they're oftentimes portrayed as subhuman or less intelligent or whatever. Uh, And I really appreciated that this movie gave those characters the respect uh that they deserved of course they're clever they have to live in this environment this is what they do they know how to survive and thrive and they outsmarted our white guys and i really appreciated that
9: it's like i said i think it's because these two guys had the mentality um the other guy being the uh, photographer who Mm -hmm. who is peter wells played by leslie dennison um those two guys had this uh, this thing of oh we are superior in their mind they didn't come out and say it but you could tell by their actions. Right. The way they were doing stuff, and I think they totally underestimated the group they were dealing with because of their um, arrogance. Yeah, that's what I loved about it because he just turned the tables on them. I mean, even if you had your guns, you're not going to be able to for Like he's like, oh, I mean, they could have said like, oh, if you shoot me, how are you going to get off of here?
0: And I appreciated that. Like I said, I thought it was it was a nice change of pace, and it was handled pretty cleverly. I mean, the guy was. He was clever. He knew what he was doing, and and like you said, the way he comes in when he's laughing at them through the tent flap about not having any uh, ammunition anymore, I loved that moment.
9: Taru, I mean, the actor was excellent. I mean, he he did. Mm-hmm. I would almost want to see a movie with more him and the Sherpas doing something else down the road. You know, like more like the, like the Yeti. Oh one, wow! You know, or because he wants to go <laughs> after him, and it's almost like he would be Ahab, and the Yetis is Moby Dick.
0: Oh, wow. That'd be fun.
9: And, and and how he takes his group to ruin, you know, just because he has to get them because they they killed his, his wife. And um, I, I think that would be an interesting movie because you could see the seeds are already there.
0: Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, Hollywood. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back in time. We're going to get this cast back together. <laughs>
9: Oh, I don't, that's I don't, how it works right i don't care about the i don't care about the, the two male the, the two leads I, I want this guy to be the lead
0: <laughs> right yeah that's what i'm saying
9: <laughs> and maybe you can have some somebody else there you know to go with them to try to talk reason into them and that kind of stuff but it would be mm-hmm. but th- this film is interesting i mean um, you and i both read some things where people there are certain things that people did not like about it and the things that some of the people didn't like or things that i enjoyed okay one of the criticisms was like oh it's a 60% of this movie is them walking, hiking, and walking, and hiking. Mm. But then again, it was showing them getting to where they were supposed to go. And then after the incident with his wife and the Yeti, it was them hunting the Yeti. And I think th- there's two schools of fault in that nowadays. A lot, a lot of films would go right to moving things along, getting to the action bits. Mm-hmm. In this one, it does more of... Um, the drudgery of hunting and going through that, but it, it develops the characters a little more, mm-hmm. you know, it allows those character moments and stuff like and, and things like that to build up and the sense that they've been out there for a long time and they've been trying to do this. And I could see their point of view, but it depends what you're going into, you know, when you're going into the movie looking for, if you just, if you don't want those character moments and those build that build up and you just want everything to go boom, 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 it's not going to work for you.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I didn't have a problem with the pacing or anything like that. I Like you said, there have been a lot of reviews online kind of, I don't know if trashing is too strong a word, but really kind of down on this film because it felt kind of slower paced and that sort of thing. But I had no problem with it whatsoever.
9: Well, I will say it does have a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. So you, you you and I are, are in the uh, minority.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sorry, did you say 7%? Yeah, 7%, if I, read wow.
9: that correctly, if I remember correctly. 7
0: that's uh, that's crazy to me.
9: Well, I mean, it just it just goes to show you, you know, some people just don't have taste.
0: <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> wow. I mean,
9: really, what else? What else could you say about it? I mean, it's just like, come on, th- this film is great. You know, I mean, it's not great, but it's, it's to me, it was enjoyable, and there was things about it I liked that could have been done better if they had more of a budget. I mean? I'm not going to hold against a film that's budget is low. I mean, th- there are things this this points out. I mean, um, when they're traveling, some films will just cut right from point A to point B. This one actually gives you the whole thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it has bureaucracy as the, the reason the, the creature gets unleashed in the United States. You know, because is it a man? Is it a creature? We have to have an expert come in to decide this. And I'm just thinking well, that's kind of a novel idea, you know? because yeah. You know, we have to study it to see if it really is a man. That was an interesting premise to take. Instead of it automatically being a creature, it was it was debated.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's an unexpected level of sophistication here uh, that that again I was not expecting at all. I, I think I didn't give this movie enough credit as we were going through it that's I was going through it i was about to say it's my favorite movie i've watched so far this year but i realized i said earlier it's the first movie i watched this year so maybe that's not you know <laughs> the highest praise but i really thought it was pretty smart the way it was put together like you said they get the creature back to civilization and they want to not necessarily put it on ice literally but they want to hold on to it they got to figure out what they're going to do with it they've got to investigate it is it a person is it an animal what's the deal going on here and that's what led to all the problems is is yeah. this and i thought that was again very smart i really enjoyed that album as well there's a lot of this movie that reminded me of and not that i'm like a huge fan of this movie but there's a some of the structure of this felt a little bit like the second jurassic park film to me <laughs> the lost world and i don't know why that was but there's a little bit of that flavor to it to me the way it was kind of st- structured and put together um, yeah, and yeah, I just wanted to make that observation, I guess. I don't know where I'm going with that. But I really thought the structure of this was very well done. It wasn't a typical monster movie.
9: And another thing that's atypical of it, especially for a 1950s monster movie, there was no female love interest.
0: That's a really good point.
9: You did have his, um, one of the characters' wives show up near the end. But, I mean, it was pretty much just a, a cameo appearance. Because sometimes I just hate having a love interest thing in there just for the sake, oh, we got to have a love interest story instead of having the characters be the characters, you know, well, we always have to have a love court a triangle or this or that, or that, and this. I'm just like, ah, no, you don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, icky love stuff. Bleh.
9: Well, it's not what I'm, it's not, it's not what I'm going I know, into. I, I mean, know, there's no I know. creature. I'm just like, it's like, ah, oh, who cares about the, the B side, the B plot? You know, it's like, oh yeah. Like, And, and, and it's a fifties movie. You always know, almost always they end up together in the end. And even though there's nothing ever developed, this one, just take that, throw it out, let's just focus on what we're here for. Right. So it was a nice change of pace for a 1950s movie.
0: I feel like we've been really lucky uh, with the movies that we've picked to watch this way, when we go into something completely blind like this, that we have stumbled across some real gems. This one offers something that I didn't expect to to have at all uh, in a movie like this. Uh, I feel like like Cable, of the living dead which is another one of those ones that we had no idea what it was going to be going into it another winner man i don't know what it is about this this magic combination between you and me picking these movies we've never seen but this one delivered just as much as any of the other ones i feel like
9: oh yeah now when when they do get to the u.s lieutenant dunbar starts to play come into play and that's he's played by william phipps mm-hmm. and i just wanted to point out i feel like i know him know, from something yeah Catwoman on the moon, of of the moon, I'm sorry. You know, so he was in that. What else was he in? I'm trying to remember now. He was in.
0: He has a look. He has a really good look.
9: He does. The evil Frankenstein, he was in some sequences in there, uncredited. Really? According to, you know, Wikipedia, which is never wrong. But he was also in Invaders from Mars. That was the other one I was trying to remember. Okay. Oh, he was in War of the Worlds. How can I miss War to Worlds?
0: Huh. Okay. All right. No, he's got a yeah. great look. I mean, I, he's one of these guys. He looks like, yep, typical 50s action guy, you know, hero dude. So, yeah.
9: I mean, he was probably one of those guys. I'm look, just looking at his credits. He was in a lot of Westerns, you know, as as a lot of actors were during that time frame, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that kind of thing. But, I mean, again, look just looking at the stuff in the Monster Kid Radio Wheelhouse, he was in some classic films, War to Worlds and stuff like that. And and, and some and some not so classic ones. But the thing is is we we hit a thing where two of these actors were in a lot of these genre films that are near and dear to a lot of monster kids' hearts.
0: Yeah, it it definitely hits all those notes for us, the way um these monster movies. I don't know why this one isn't more well known, other than maybe it's because it slipped into the public domain and just doesn't get as much attention. I think it was tackled on Mystery Science Theater three thousand at some point, so it it got some attention somewhere. I just feel like it needs more.
9: Now there is one thing we have to talk about, and that's the attention to the creature itself. Okay, we, uh,
0: maybe, maybe that's dip. the problem. Yeah,
9: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, played by Lock Martin, the, the Yeti. Now, when they keep the creature suit in the the shadows, it works when they bring it into more in the light, it doesn't hold up as well. And people could say, oh, it's because it came out in the 50s or whatever. I happen to have seen Wonder Woman 1984. And there's a reason the cheetah is in nighttime thing. Because the CGI, anytime you have like the poor CGI, they always put it at night to hide it. Well, it's the same thing they did with this. You know, it's, it's like, it was. it was not the greatest costume, so... While directing it, you know, he tried to keep it into the shadows and so people couldn't get a good look at it until they had until you have to have that reveal. And of course, it, it looks like a guy wrapped up in, in a fur coat. So there are things that could have been done better in the costuming. But then again, how many movies have we seen you know, of this time frame? You know, where we said, oh, if only it had a better monster suit. But yet the movie was still enjoyable. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are always like, oh, why, why can't they have these things at daytime or whatever? And I think then once they see it, they're like, oh, well, the CJ's is not good enough to be a day. They should have had it at night. I mean, you can't win, you know, if you try to satisfy. And it, it goes back to what a lot of people say. If you start listening to the people... That are in the stands, like they used to say with coaches, you know, if you start listening to the people in the stands and do the plays that they want to do, eventually you're joining them in the stands because you're going to get fired, you know, because there's a reason you're the manager or you're the coach and they're not because you know more about it than the average person does. Same thing with directors. If they keep listening to people that are not in the movie industry, then they start making decisions different than their creative impulses. And I think that's what leads them astray. I mean, I'm not saying they should never listen. I mean, obviously the best way to listen is to see how your movie does. And that's the best way to do it because sometimes you get a vocal minority and you're listening to this minority group that's telling you to do this and this with your next film. And then you so focus on them because they're so vocal, then you end up changing the course of your show, your movie or whatever, or your future movies. And then you're not pleasing the majority of the group which you're trying to get the money from in order to be successful Yeah, i mean it was an enjoyable 1954 movie i don't know why rotten tomatoes gave it a seven percent imdb has it as a 3.5 out of 10 and letterbox a two out of five
0: yeah that's that's rough man
9: and that's the audience score and now it's based off 214 users
0: well their loss
9: yeah obviously obviously um you know, for anybody that's listening to this that, that follows your show, this is definitely a movie you should see, and oh. it's available on Amazon Prime.
0: Uh, yeah, there's no excuse. It's really easy to get your hands on. Uh, it's all over the internet. It's public domain. You can get it on Amazon Prime. When I was watching it, I didn't have Prime available to me, so I watched it on YouTube. It's everywhere. Uh, so much so that uh, I'm going to end up showing it on a future installment of the Monster Kid Astronomy Club on the Tuesday night. I don't know, should I do it as a Tuesday sci-fi or should I do it as a Saturday horror movie? What do you think?
9: It is a sci-fi horror. It, 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 it toes the line on both sides. Yeah. I would say um, whichever one you think, like if you're having trouble finding sci-fi movies that are in public domain, I would slide it over to there. Okay. Yeah, um, that's what I was it, thinking too. And also, especially if you can get one of his other sci-fi films, um, Wildler's you know, sci-fi films, if they're in public domain, then maybe you can make it a double feature.
0: Like the Omegans.
9: Yes. Oh, oh, that would be... <laughs> or, or, you know, there there were some other ones we, that you and I read in his listings and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, it's, or, heck, it could be another... Maybe you can find another Yeti movie or Sasquatch, you know, something along those lines. <laughs> there, there
0: are a handful of those. There are a handful of those I can get my hands on, I'm sure. But, wow, this, this one really... Man, it, I feel like it over-delivered for what it was. It really over-delivered for me wasn't something I had a lot of high hopes for and I think that's the other thing that another key to when we watch these movies together is yeah, it's something we've never seen before it's called The Snow Creature it's low budget I went into it knowing it was directed by Billy Wilder's older brother didn't have a lot of expectations and maybe that's part of the reason why I liked it so much as well and I worry that we're over-hyping it now <laughs>
9: Well, I mean, I went into it also with low expectations, because I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score of 7%, and um, I'm thinking, oh, what did I get us in for? <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, ah. You know, and then you, I think you and I were talking, and I was like looking at the things, you know, prior to us watching it, and I was looking at the things that said about um, 60% of the movie is hiking and, and, and walking around. And there is a lot of hiking and walking around. Yeah. Not only in in the Himalayas, but also when they get back to um, California. So there, there are things that are going there. Where the whole thing is, they're searching. You know, they're they're going, they're looking for something. I mean, could could that have been cleaned up or a little more action put in? I mean, you know, it could have been. I mean, that this is a movie that could be, I think, remade and and you could fix, you could add some elements to it that would make it more for a modern audience. It definitely improved the creature suit. I wouldn't want to see it in CGI. I would want to. I would want to see a nice creature suit.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, th- this movie—it's a creature suit movie, hands down, hands down.
9: It's one of those things. It's an hour and ten minutes. You're looking for something to watch. But it's not going to be a bad film to watch.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Here's where everybody can take a shot. I even liked the music. <laughs> I, and I'm not gonna lie if this soundtrack was available on CD or as a, a digital album I'd snatch it right up because it, so, it hits all those notes for me ha no so, pun intended
9: <laughs> so this is news people Derek likes the music and water is wet <laughs> dude I was taking some of my coffee when you said that come on <laughs> Think,
0: think. Manuel Kompinski is the name of the composer. I don't know anything about him. Uh, somebody else I'd like to know a little bit more about. Uh, he apparently did some uh, war films, did some uncredited work on 1959's Ben-Hur, of all things. But he also looks like one of these guys who worked for Wilder. so Creature, Killers from Space. Uh, and he's also the brother of somebody who apparently was a little bit more successful. Um Alec Kempinski, who did a lot more work. Huh. Interesting. I want to know more about this dude, too. Well,
9: that's the beauty of it all, is that it's like you, you start researching and diving into these films. And then you find out, like, all these different connections of people to their films. And, and a lot of these those actors that we mentioned, they have tons of credits. They've worked a lot in movies and TV. So these are working actors. Uh, Paul Langton, I think, was it Paul Langton who had that long run on Paid in Place? He was, like, in over 200 episodes. You know, you're just talking about people that had careers doing things that they liked. And some of them were in James Bond movies. I mean, for crying out loud, playing like one of the, you know, one of the main characters.
0: Yeah, this is not, you know, just a bunch of (laughs) fly by night performers. I mean, these are people with legitimate screen cred. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, this this is fun. (laughs) This is a fun film. I really, really dug this one. I know I'm getting real close to just kind of gushing and gushing and gushing and not giving you any real substance here, listeners. So uh, let me kind of dial it back a little bit. I think Steve already kind of hit the one issue that I have. Just give me a little bit more monster time, I think. But even then, that's not a huge criticism because the way they use the monster, especially at the beginning of the film, is so well done. In terms of like keeping it in the dark, keeping it in the shadows, making it scary.
9: And I think this is definitely a film that works well being black and white. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it goes back to the old thing where people are colorizing everything. And this is definitely a movie I would never want to see colorized. I don't want to see any black and white movie colorized except for um, Babes and Toyland, which we talked about a long time ago, uh, which is colorized.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah.
9: When we talked about, you know, the number of the bogeymen. Wow. it's one of your episodes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I was there. <laughs> I didn't. I not know if you're suppressing it.
0: <laughs> I almost revisited that around Christmas, you know, because you know we're trying to do Christmas movies here, that sort of thing. But it doesn't take place in Christmas, so I figured no, in December. I figured it's a what June or July. When that yeah. takes place. So yeah, yeah. it's like, nope, that's
9: that's off the table, not gonna do it. I think our review came out in the summer too, and we said to tie it tied in because it yeah. was um so the movie took place. Yep. Uh, do I usually watch it as a Christmas tradition, is to watch Babes in Toyland. So it's sure with the kids, that kind of stuff. And, and Christmas is not that long ago, so it's it's always a good one to go back yeah. to. Yeah.
0: Well. You know, if you're into that kind of thing, I guess.
9: Well, you know, we are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know where I'm going with that either. (laughs) So, Steve and I are both coming away from this film recommending it to people. I'm going to dial it back and not say highly recommend because I don't want to oversell it. I thought the pacing really worked well for me. I think the music's good. I think some of the cinematography choices, really, really good. I like the subversion or inversion of expectations about how the the white man treats the natives of the area. Uh maybe the only issue with there is that you know they were all speaking Japanese, not what they would have spoken <laughs> in the Himalayans, but whatever. It it just really worked on a number of different ways in a number of different ways for me that I did not expect.
9: And to be honest with you, I never would have known until I read that um uh, somewhere that they were speaking Japanese. Because I I, would, I wouldn't have spoke the native language whatever they speak you know in the Himalayas anyway and, yeah. and that kind of stuff so I was I was just like well, okay I mean and I think if you're doing that for an American audience in 1954 nobody would have known you know it's just it would just go okay it's a different language go for it
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's what I'm thinking too is that who who would have known who would have been there to fact check did the filmmakers even know did they even care doesn't matter does it take away from the enjoyment of the film no not really not for me. Like you said, I wouldn't have known.
9: I will say it was interesting to start with because there was a lot of voiceover. And from it there, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be like this way the whole movie? <laughs> it was a lot of voiceover describing the action and then doing this and that. And it was almost like I was watching a silent movie with somebody narrating it, you know, and I was just like, oh, this, this. If it continues this way, this is going to be very interesting because it, it went on for longer <laughs> than you would think, and you know, the longer for a normal opening of a movie. And it was to the point where you started to wonder: is, this, is it going to be this way the whole movie? And just, I'm just letting listeners know it's not. It, it does eventually get out of that dead voice over, though so it comes back periodically.
0: I was a little worried about that too uh, as we were getting into it, as it was going because I felt like it was going on for a little bit too long. It's like, well. Um, I'm glad we got all this voiceover all this information this info dump is taking place but this movie's just barely over an hour long and you're using a lot of time for this so um let's pick it up but it does it doesn't last you know, I, for me it kind of got to the point where i was almost over it it's like ready to move on and then it did
9: yeah, and like I said, it was it was on that line for me too. I was just like, oh, it's like, uh, is it going to keep going? But thankfully, it it, it subsided and, and, and then moved into the movie proper. And like we said, it it really sets up the plot points. It really sets up the stuff. We're not telling you how it ended. I, I've I've read stuff where they, they compare this to um, the similar story structure with King Kong, where it's a, sure. it's it's an exotic adventure and then the creature gets moved to the United States and then whatever happens there happens there, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I, could see it you know, it's, it's, it's nowhere. And I would never say it's a King Kong movie because it's really, there's, if you're going to compare it with that, I would, I would expect to see other exotic monsters, you know, that they would encounter on the mountains.
0: The only King Kongisms I get out of it are the same similarities that I found in, like I said, the lost world Jurassic park two, where they take the monster back to civilization. Yeah. That, that's really it. That's the only connection that I find there. And once it gets there, well, maybe they shouldn't have done that. You know? So that's all I really got out of it in terms of like the King Kongisms. So, yeah. That's what
9: I'm mean. And, you know, that kind of thing. But anyways, no, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm hoping that people enjoy it. And um, I'm hoping that they, they give you good feedback from it. But it, it. And again, if you like it, you know, thank me. If you don't like it, it, it was all Derek. <laughs> that's
0: that's not how this works <laughs> The incredible shrinking
2: man
1: getting smaller. There's no medical precedent for what's happening to you. I I simply know that you're getting smaller. I want you to stop
6: thinking about us, our marriage. Some awful things might happen.
2: As long as you've got this wedding ring on, you've got me.
6: This is Orson Welles speaking. I have 45 seconds to tell you about something I think you'll remember the longest day you live. It's about a man named Scott Carey. A few months ago, he was six feet two inches tall and weighed 190 pounds. Today, he's two inches tall and you can hold him in the palm of your hand. Now he lives in a world where he must fight for his life, a world where a friendly house cat is a predatory
2: monster. Incredible because it's almost beyond imagining. Incredible because every hour he gets smaller and smaller. Incredible because every moment the terror mounts.
6: Three days the dead will destroy all the living. I am from another planet outside your galaxy.
1: I'm sorry, I, I just don't understand.
6: Unless Earth surrenders in 24 hours, we will begin a mass invasion. We are invisible. We are invisible, Adam Penner. You cannot see us.
3: From outer space
6: come the invisible invaders, living dead men threatening to destroy
3: all life on Earth.
0: if you're listening to this you've found monster kid radio and you know how to listen to monster kid radio but did you know there are other ways to listen to monster kid radio i just found out about this the other day myself but monster kid radio is actually listed on audible audible is the audiobook platform owned by amazon and they do have podcasts available and monster kid radio was listed there now i don't get any money or anything for downloading or listening to an episode of the podcast through audible i just thought it was kind of cool audible is owned by amazon like i said and monster kid radio is also available to listen to on amazon music again there's no royalties there's no payments or anything like that but if you use either one of those services you can listen to monster kid radio that way now you've downloaded the episode or you're streaming it from the website right now. There are other places, though, that I put links to the various episodes of Monster Kid Radio. I try to spread the word as best as I can. Obviously, the Patreon page is one place to go, but I'm trying to train myself to make sure that I always post an update about the newest episode over at the Classic Horror Film Board. If you go to the Classic Horror Film Board, they do have a section in their forum dedicated to Classic Horror Online. It's under the classic horror in other media section of the forum there. And I try to post an update about every new episode in the latest episode of Monster Kid Radio thread. Now, there's not a lot of activity over there in terms of like comments or conversations that are happening at the classic horror film board. If you are a user of the classic horror film board, I'd love to start seeing some conversations happen there about the various episodes. So if you want to leave a comment about an episode of MKR, just pop on over there, find the episode in question and leave a reply and I'll interact with you there. And maybe some other people from the classic horror film board will as well. Obviously, you can get the latest episodes and show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. And I've tried to make sure that the podcast is available through many other podcast directories. So depending on your podcast catcher, you may be able to find it there as well. I also know that we're listed on Stitcher, so you can find us there. And really, if you just want the bare bones, if you're not interested in the bells and whistles and all the fancy graphics or anything else, if there's ever an issue with the main website even, you can always find Monster Kid Radio at our behind-the-scenes site, which is monsterkidradio.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. However you find us, well, I hope you enjoy the show. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for being with us this week while we talked about the snow creature and did everything else that we did this week here on the show. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't have people like you listening to the show every week. And I hope you come back next week because, like I said earlier, we'll be talking about the movie The Bamboo Saucer with friend of the show, Tim Durbin. That's going to be a good time. This is another movie that I've never seen. It actually just popped up on my radar when Tim said online that he'd just watched it and left some thoughts about it on his website. And I thought, you know what? Let's have Tim back on the show. Let's talk about that movie. And that's what's coming up next week here on the podcast between now and then you want to head over to our website over at monsterkidradio.net that's where you're going to find everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes our contact information is over there there's going to be links to everything that we've talked about in the show notes as well including links to the previous episodes that were mentioned so the previous episode with Tim Durbin the episode with Micah Harris where we talked about the man without a head or the man without a body a man without a body that's it and anything else that we've talked about here on the show I'll make sure is listed in the show notes over there I'll also create an Amazon affiliate link for this movie and anything else that's relevant to this week's episode of MKR. Whenever you shop at Amazon, please consider using those links. Even if you don't buy what the Amazon affiliate link is for, I believe if you click over through that Amazon affiliate link, whether it's for what you're going to buy or not, as long as you click through that and then do your Amazon search, monster kid radio still gets a little bit of support from Amazon. So that's one way you can help support the show. If you're already shopping on Amazon, maybe kick us back a nickel or two. Every time you do that, it's really appreciated because every little bit helps. They're still taking suggestions for the ballot for the upcoming Rondo Hatton classic horror awards. Please consider leaving a message in their forum over there at the classic horror film board recommending that monster kid radio be listed on the ballot for best podcast and also, you know, let them know what you'd like to see listed on the ballot for things like best movie, best book, best DVD or Blu-ray release, best interview, make recommendations for Monster Kid of the Year, or the Monster Kid Hall of Fame, all of that. Just please hop on over there and make sure that your voice is heard by the folks that put together the official ballot for the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. Even though there will be a link in the show notes, I made it real easy. Just pop on over to tinyurl.com slash rondo suggest. This upcoming weekend on Saturday in the Monster Kid Movie Club, starting at 11 a.m. Pacific, we have a pre show, and then at noon, it's Gamera Day. We're going to be doing nothing but Gamera movies and related content all day long. It's over at the Twitch channel for Monster Kid Radio. You can look up Monster Kid Radio on Twitch, or you can go straight to Monster Kid Movie. Dot club. We always have a good time over there. There's a live chat that's going the entire time. I pop in a couple of times and chat with everybody. It goes for at least seven, eight hours that day. It's all free. It's a great time. It'll be even better, though, if you show up. So again, hop on over to monsterkidmovie.club and join us this Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific for the pre-show around noon for the main show programming and you know in the middle of the day we actually play around to the classic five with everybody which i'm just now remembering or realizing that i didn't do that with steve turek this time around on the show so there's no classic five this week so i guess you're just gonna have to show up at the monster kid movie club to get your classic five fix when we play it in the middle of the day during intermission on Gamera Day. Now, next Tuesday at the Monster Kid Astronomy Club, we do sci-fi movies, same place. It's just a shorter period of time. The pre-show starts at about 3.30 p.m. with the movies starting around 4 o'clock. Once again, it's Pacific Time. And this Tuesday, we've got two movies lined up, Project Moon Base from 1958 and a movie called Star Odyssey from the 70s. Star Odyssey was one of those movies that was made in reaction to Star Wars. Um, and I think it's Italian and, uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. Really, I mean, honestly, it'll be a lot of fun to chat it up with everybody while we watch these movies. And what's becoming one of my favorite things on Tuesday with the sci-fi movies in the astronomy club at the end of the show, we talk about star Trek for at least 30 minutes with somebody we've had Mike Maris. on. We've had Jeff Piliar on who knows who's going to be on next week. So you'll just have to come by the Monster Kid Astronomy Club, same website, monsterkidmovie.club, to watch the movies and join us for what we call the Star Trek 30, where we talk about Star Trek for at least 30 minutes. Once again, thanks for listening, everybody. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Varla o Varla. That is copyright Jay and the Bat People. It's from their album Terror of the Bat People, which came out on Halloween last year, Halloween Day. And you can pick up your own digital copy at jpoisonandthebatpeople.bandcamp.com. Check them out and let them know the Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name's Derek Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.